Welcome to the Retzel Health Law Hotspot. Health Law Hotspot is a podcast for physicians and health professionals that covers the legal issues and trends that affect the healthcare industry. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Health Law Hotspot. I'm Erica Adler, shareholder and leader of our healthcare practice at Retzel and Andrus. And today I am joined by Paul Hales, who is an attorney from the Hales Law Group. And he specializes in health information privacy. I'm really excited to have you on today. And I want to explain a little bit about your background. So welcome before I jump in. Thank you. Nice to be here. So I find Paul to be absolutely fascinating. He brings an angle to HIPAA and patient privacy and information privacy that we've never explored before and that I am actually not fully familiar with. And essentially, Paul's practice focuses on providing information and guidance, not only in the United States, but internationally as well, to providers as well as those that do business with providers, so business associates, healthcare plans, uh, and others who need to comply with HIPAA and healthcare privacy regulations. And I know I'm speaking very broadly here, and Paul will go into a little bit more detail. Basically, what Paul does is he provides HIPAA legal consulting and education services to these clients and to anyone who calls himself a covered entity or a business associate. And today, what we really want to talk about, since this is a huge topic, so we could have many, many hours of, of conversation about this, is really about technology and how changes in technology have impacted whether you are or are not compliant with HIPAA. And I know Paul has some feelings about who's really compliant when they say they're compliant. And some of the things that you may be doing in your own practice that makes you no longer compliant and you may not even be aware that you are not uh, meeting HIPAA requirements, privacy requirements, state and federal, and those that you're doing business with, even though they have put themselves out there as being HIPAA compliant or meeting all the technology requirements, are they really? And, and this is really going to be an interesting discussion about the impact of technology on privacy uh, within healthcare practices uh, and those that you do business with. And I really kind of want everyone to really understand and take away from this discussion what you need to go back and question about your own day-to-day -day operations and those that you're doing business with. Um, and I'll just kind of turn this over to Paul, but I kind of want to mention that a lot of people that I work with think that they have HIPAA compliance plan. They've had somebody come in and certify them as meeting all the technological requirements. They do business with uh, big billing companies or other third parties who have told them that they're HIPAA compliant and have signed a BAA. And then we all assume everything is good and we're compliant with the law. But that absolutely may not be the case. And it's pretty scary for me to think about, and I know it will be for you as well. So, Paul, welcome, and uh, please, you know, enlighten us on this topic, because I know you have a lot to say. Well, thank you, Erica. I, I do want to talk about privacy and uh, the fact that uh, privacy, and in particular health information privacy, is uh, at great risk today. Uh, I do want to pick up on something that you just said, however, uh, before starting on that, and that is uh, that you said that uh, uh, organizations have people who come in and certify 
that they are HIPAA compliant. The Federal Trade Commission has suddenly uh, become the uh, sort of the most active primary uh, federal regulatory agency uh, focused on uh, health information privacy. And one of the things that uh, the Federal Trade Commission has made quite clear is that uh, statements on websites such as uh, we are HIPAA compliant or also uh, organizations that provide a seal of HIPAA compliance uh, are committing uh, a fraudulent and deceptive practice uh, in, that contravenes the uh, Federal Trade Act. And that's new. It's new that the Federal Trade Commission has jumped in. Uh, they have had three uh, major uh, uh, actions uh, that culminated in consent orders uh, uh, involving health information privacy, where uh, the organizations uh, called GoodRx, BetterHelp, uh, uh, one that had a program called PreMom, were actually collecting and selling uh, health information data uh, for commercial purposes. So uh, that is something that's new. And in uh, doing so, uh, the Federal Trade Commission, much more so than the Office for Civil Rights, that's the office within the Department of Health and Human Services that administers and uh, enforces the uh, HIPAA rules, uh, the Federal Trade Commission is really the, the primary uh, uh, government agency uh, enforcing health information privacy right now. And it has a health breach notification rule, uh, and it has a proposed new uh, uh, amendments to the health breach notification rule. Another enforcer of uh, that protection of uh, patient uh, health information privacy has become the uh, plaintiff's bar. And they've jumped in uh, following the Federal Trade Commission uh, and there are literally hundreds of class action lawsuits uh, pending now uh, for uh, breaches of protected health information related to technology, as you said. And, you know, um, we live in a world of technology now. And as technology develops, uh, it, it begins to be used, but only as it's being used do we understand the implications of the use of that technology, the ethics that are involved, and the need to uh, provide some regulation as to how the technology is used, when it uh, uh, transmits, maintains, creates, receives health information. I think uh, it might be helpful to uh, start with the definition of protected health information, because it really begins with the definition of individually identifiable health information. And that goes back to the original law passed in 1996, the Health Information Portability and Accountability Act. And that law uh, it requires the Department of Health and Human Services to make regulations 
to protect the privacy and security of individually identifiable health information. So uh, the way that HIPAA defines protected health information starts with the definition of health information that identifies a patient. And one of the uh, first things that uh, was done in the rulemaking process was to determine what uh, information identifies a patient. You know, uh, it's the information that uh, you give to a uh, uh, physician, for example, when you come in for the first time, you give your name, and address, and things of that nature. Uh, but uh, there was uh, uh, the government called together a group of experts in personally identifiable information, and they created during the rulemaking process, which was a very inclusive and open process, um, a list of eighteen separate pieces of information that are called identifiers uh, that were published in the uh, federal register that are part of the HIPAA privacy rule. So there are 18 individual uh, identifiers. And what makes them protected health information, what makes them individually identifiable health information, is when an identifier is related to the provision of health care, past, present, or future health care, payment for past, present, or future health care. Uh, and uh, that is something that's widely misunderstood because most folks, civilians, patients, as well as a number of people involved in the healthcare industry, uh, think of protected health information as information about a diagnosis, a procedure, a prescription, something of that nature. But actually, when you look at the 18 identifiers, they include things like a license plate. Now, when I looked at that, I thought, that, that doesn't seem right. And then I realized that my optometrist has a freestanding building, and uh, when I park my car in front of the building, uh, my license plate identifies me. That's information that can be obtained. And uh, I am identified as a patient of my optometrist. The Inspector General of the Department of Health and Human Services has an excellent uh, uh, website uh, about the problems related to medical identity theft. And one of the things that the uh, inspector general uh, makes clear is that um, uh, only two things are needed by a criminal uh, to identify a patient, to make a patient a target for medical identity theft. And those are the identity of a provider and the identity of the patient. And we see all over the internet uh, patient identities uh, connected to uh, providers. Now, uh, that is a problem. And the FBI has identified medical identity theft as the uh, sort of the gold standard for identity thieves. It's the fastest growing form of identity theft. 
And the reason it's the gold standard is that it brings the most money uh, on the dark web, on the very active uh, black market for uh, medical identity. And the reason it brings so much money is that it's used to commit health insurance fraud and to obtain prescription medications. And uh, people are not aware that their medical identity has been stolen until, for example, they receive an explanation of benefits that says that they've, uh, they owe several hundred thousand dollars for a hip replacement that wasn't pre-authorized, but they never had the hip replacement. Uh, it was uh, obtained by somebody using their uh, medical identity. And it's not only a, a financial issue uh, and an issue uh, that is very uh, time-consuming to straighten this out with the, uh, with the health insurance company, but it's also a patient safety issue because we have the system of electronic health records, health information exchanges. Uh, a person who might use my medical identity might have a different blood type than I have. And uh, if I needed emergency care, why I might receive a transfusion uh, of blood that uh, was of a type uh, that uh, belonged to the person who used my medical identity. And that can be life-threatening. So it's also a patient safety issue. Uh, Erica, I don't want to get carried away with this. I, I really <laughs> There's so about... much, in, you know, interesting information. I guess what I would want to know is, you know, we know what PHI is; it's out there, and what kind of things are, um, you know, practices and other healthcare providers doing wrong or, or not maybe aware of when it comes to technology um, and how they may be collecting this information improperly, sharing this information improperly, or may not even realize somebody else is taking this information from them. And I think that would be a really interesting direction uh, so they can understand how they're personally involved in this you know, potential misuse that's occurring. Sure, let's talk about something that's brand new. It, uh, it was first uh, discovered in 2022. And that's the use of tracking technologies on uh, websites, healthcare uh, provider websites, uh, health apps. And uh, the tracking technologies are really uh, everywhere. And so speaking directly to people who are uh, watching this uh, video podcast, um, if you are a... Um, uh, a healthcare provider, the likelihood is that you have tracking technologies on your website and on your social media websites that identify patients and uh, transmit or what the HIPAA rules call disclose uh, protected health information to third parties, people who are not authorized to have that information. And one of the things that uh, the Federal Trade Commission was focused on uh, in the uh, uh, enforcement actions that I mentioned earlier, GoodRx and, and uh, Better Help, uh, was uh, the sale of that, or the use of that uh, uh, identifying information so that uh, 
uh, it could be sold to advertisers or used by advertisers to uh, target people. The assault on privacy continues apace in, in part because people themselves share so much information. But it's the covered entities, it's the healthcare providers, it's the health plans, it's the business associates that serve uh, uh, covered entities uh, and require protected health information in order to provide those services like uh, billing uh, services or coding uh, services, things of that nature. And um, the uh, um, what happened in 2022 is that a an article was published on an uh, online uh, a magazine called The Markup. And the title of the article was, uh, and I'm approximating it, but uh, it was that uh, hospitals are sending protected health information to Facebook. Well, that set off a firestorm. And uh, hospitals, uh, and, and what was happening was that Facebook uh, had uh, something called a metapixel uh, that was present on uh hospital websites, even present within patient portals. And the Metapixel is a small piece of code that identifies a person and uh, can also identify uh, not just the person and the provider, uh, but when it's within a portal, it, it can provide some very, very specific information about the healthcare uh, that is being uh, sought or provided to the patient. Well, what happened next was hospitals began to uh, examine their own websites and uh, then uh, reported, realized that they, uh, that these uh, tracking pixels uh, caused breaches of protected unsecured protected health information as defined by the HIPAA breach notification rules. So uh, they uh, reported those breaches to the Office for Civil Rights and began to send out uh, breach notification letters to inform uh, patients who were affected by this breach that uh, their information uh, had been disclosed through the use of these tracking technologies. The uh, two key types of uh, tracking technologies that are uh, under most scrutiny by the uh, regulators are the Metapixel, uh, which comes from Meta, formerly Facebook, and Google Analytics. Um, the uh, uh, As soon as those letters came out, I'll give you an example. Uh, one of the uh, uh, hospitals was the uh, Advocate Aurora Health System. And it uh, notified on October 14th, the Office for Civil Rights, that uh, as a result of these tracking technologies, the uh, protected health information of 3 million patients had been disclosed to unauthorized uh, entities, namely Facebook and uh, 
organizations that obtained information about the patients from Facebook. Um, that was on October 14th, October 20th, uh, Advocate Aurora Health sent out the, uh, began to send out the uh, uh, notifications to patients of the breach. On October 28th, the first class action lawsuit was filed against Advocate Aurora Health. Now, a number of class actions were filed, consolidated, and they were just settled uh, rapidly. Uh, but the uh, proliferation of class action lawsuits based on uh, uh, tracking technologies is growing dramatically. And the thing about uh, most uh, uh, web-based uh, uh, breaches or, or uh, violations of HIPAA is that they're out on the open. In other words, people respond to... Um, uh, patient reviews uh, uh, by thanking the patient uh, uh, for reviewing. Well, what does that do? It identifies the patient as a patient of that healthcare provider. Uh, that gives the information to the criminals. That makes the patient uh, a target for medical identity theft. But the thing about these tracking pixels is that they're not obvious. Uh, they're not out there so that you can see them on the internet. However, uh, they can be found and they can be found very easily uh, using some uh, widely available software. Uh, one of the types of software is called Web X-Ray. So in April of this year, 2023, a uh, uh, an academic journal article was published by uh, people, uh, uh, academics, physician, lawyer at uh, the University of uh, Pittsburgh. And uh, they found that 98.6% of hospitals uh, had these tracking technologies. And the article uh, makes it clear that the uh, hospitals didn't put those on to do any harm. I mean, what uh, uh, it, 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 they're on there for several reasons. One is uh, that organizations have so many different actors involved in things like marketing, creating websites. And by the way, a Facebook web page uh, is really a website that's uh, as defined by federal law. And Facebook knows that it's a website. Uh, you can see that when you read their terms and conditions of use. And so if a provider creates a Facebook web page, it's uh, they're doing so under the uh, terms and conditions of creating a business page by Facebook. Uh, Facebook says, we're not charging you anything for this, but in order to use it, you must give us certain permissions. Well, the courts have held that that is, in fact, a contract. And uh, the definition of a web page in uh, the HIPAA privacy rule uh, is in, actually, it's in the section about notice of privacy practices, where it says that a uh, uh, provider that uh, maintains a web page that uh, provides information about their products and services uh, must uh, uh, post prominently on the web page uh, their notice of privacy practices and make it available electronically 
through the uh, uh, through the website, and um, that's a definition of websites that are governed by HIPAA. So uh, one of the things that we see is uh, only a few healthcare providers have begun to uh, put their notice of privacy practices on the Facebook page. Again, I'm kind of going off the. No, no, not at all. I, I, I guess, you know, look, there's obviously some hospitals that have figured out that they disclosed information that they shouldn't have because of this, you know, metapixel or, or whatever it was. But wouldn't that also mean that every single practice out there that has a Facebook page um, or, you know, is you mentioned Google as well, having something equivalent. I mean, there's some class action lawsuits because those are big providers. But what about all the other ones? I mean, does that mean that do they just not know or they're too small and nobody cares? Or is it really everybody that's violating it right now? Actually, everybody is violating it right now. And I'm most concerned about the uh, small organizations. Um, what they do is uh, even large organizations uh, hire marketing companies, companies that say that they specialize in um, creating uh, web pages or Facebook pages uh, that uh, uh, engage patients, that uh, attract new patients, that uh, help uh, uh, communicate the uh, uh, quality of uh, the healthcare services that are being right. provided. Those are marketers. Uh, they're terrific at marketing, but it's the their customer that's responsible for complying with HIPAA. Now, Google uh, has uh, posted and made it very clear that they will not uh, sign business associate agreements uh, for uh, uh, with organizations that have Google Analytics on their uh, websites. Uh, and, and Facebook uh, has, in its terms, um, uh, as does Google, uh, the admonition to not send us any protected health information, but it's happening. And it's happening uh, really without the knowledge of most of the healthcare providers. Now, the large uh, uh, hospitals that, uh, that recognize the issue uh, began addressing it by auditing their website, finding the, uh, 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 the tracking technologies and removing them. However, uh, and then uh, what happened uh, on December 1st, 2022, is that the Office for Civil Rights issued a bulletin that uh, says that uh, having these tracking technologies can uh, violate HIPAA by uh, disclosing protected health information of patients. Now, uh, that was December 1st of 2022. The American Hospital Association responded uh, uh, forcefully uh, on May 22nd uh, of 2023 with a letter uh, complaining about the December 1st uh, bulletin uh, and uh, in particular saying that uh, an IP address, which is one of the 18 identifiers and has been in an identifier in the privacy rule uh, since it became effective in 2003, uh, should be removed, that it shouldn't be considered an identifier. Well, uh, you know, your organization has um, one of these uh, 
one of these video casts uh, explaining how you identified uh, a, a person who uh, made very defamatory uh, and apparently anonymous uh, uh, comments about an orthopedic surgeon. And how did you identify that person? Uh, through the IP address. Uh, so yeah. I mean, it, it is certainly uh, one so of the where, I mean, where do, I mean, so that happened in May, 2023. It, it took them actually quite a while to respond. Well, where do we really go from here? I mean, for, for the people listening, uh, obviously this ongoing issue for most of them, they're, they're smaller parties. Uh, they're probably watching it or they will start watching it play out now amongst, uh, you know, the hospital systems. Um should they not be on the web anymore? Should they not be using Facebook? Really, how can you protect yourself now? Most, most uh, you know, practices are not sophisticated enough and uh, to find this technology, this tracking software. They're hiring people who hold themselves out as having the knowledge and capabilities. But this sounds so sophisticated that I would bet, uh, you know, many of these technology companies that um, they work with lack this actual expertise. Um, so really, is it safe right now, I guess, is the question to, to be using the internet, to be using web pages and Facebook, or is it just a common risk that we're all sharing while we figure things out, I guess, is the way to think about it. What, what, so I, I, I'm going to answer that question. The, every organization, small, large, should immediately identify and remove the tracking technologies from their website. I need to give you one more piece of information, and that is that um, in July, the Office for Civil Rights and the Federal Trade Commission jointly sent a letter to 130 hospitals uh, advising them that the tracking pixels that were on their websites were violating uh, HIPAA and the Federal Trade Act. And uh, then uh, a few weeks later, they made public the all of the 130 hospitals uh, and some telehealth organizations that received those letters. So uh, the resounding response to the American Hospital Association's complaint uh, was that the Office for Civil Rights and the FTC together right. doubled down and said, yeah. no, this is a problem. So uh, what we see on Facebook and on Google uh, are um, uh, links that uh, tell you how to remove uh, tracking pixels uh, from your uh, website. Now, these are uh, installed uh, without thinking by the uh, by the web developers. And uh, if you're uh, a website for, let's say, a salon or a car dealer, well, they're very, very useful. Uh, but if you're a website, a healthcare provider uh, or a health plan, uh, you're, you've got to protect the patient privacy. Now, when we look at the uh, instructions uh, that are provided by Facebook and by Google to remove the tracking technologies, gosh, they're kind of uh, complex. So what, and you're right, people, people uh, you know, with their 
I think oftentimes, uh, you know, for example, my dentist um, uh, had his uh, Facebook page uh, set up by a staff member who was a young person who was really familiar with Facebook, uh, but was completely unaware of the uh, of the of the problems associated with right. yeah. posts and reviews on the Facebook page and so forth. So, uh, what you need to do, whether you're a large organization or a small organization uh, is do an audit and you've got to put together a team to do that. And it's a, it's an inclusive team. So it's a team that includes some information technology specialists. Uh, and you probably have one uh, who, even if you're a small organization, who's uh, maintaining your information technology, um, include your uh, compliance officials, uh, legal uh, 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 counsel, uh, marketing, and make sure the senior management's involved. They're the ones that are responsible. The senior management uh, may delegate authority to create a uh, HIPAA compliance program, right. a, a privacy official, a security official that uh, develops and implements the program, but they can never delegate responsibility. Uh, and it's senior management that needs to be right. involved in any others. Now, that's something that um, uh, any small organization can do. You've got the wherewithal, and it's something that should be done right away, because while the American Hospital Association is complaining and fighting this uh, 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 interpretation of the privacy law, uh, privacy rule by the Office for Civil Rights, uh, they have yet to uh, uh, complain directly about the Federal Trade Commission. Um, the Federal Trade Commission is really becoming very, uh, very active. And um, also state attorneys general, just a few weeks ago, 49 states in the District of Columbia uh, settled a major uh, uh, suit against uh, a uh, a business associate, uh, Blackbaud, uh, that provided services to uh, nonprofits, including uh, healthcare providers. So uh, there's a lot of uh, regulation going on, uh, regulators who are catching up with the technology. Right. I, I guess, you know, one question, and then we probably need to wrap this up is, you know, they came up with a list of all the hospitals that they felt were violating it. And so they seem to be targeting hospitals right now. Do you anticipate that they're going to start targeting uh, healthcare practices as well or other types of healthcare organization? Um, is this something that is likely to occur? Um, or do you just feel like they're going after the biggest targets and hoping to send a message? The Office for Civil Rights uh has limited staff. Plaintiff's lawyers uh, have uh, an unlimited reign and they can uh, use these uh, tracking technologies to identify or the, the things like web x-ray uh, to find out if uh, providers have the trackers on their websites. Now, even a small practice has thousands of patients. And so each one of those patients can be a member of a class. Wow. Uh, the way that uh, organizations uh, 
that really come to the attention of the uh, regulators is uh, twofold, primarily. Uh, one is that complaints are made, uh, and the other is that there are breaches of protected health information. Now, with the uh, uh, growing awareness of the uh, violations related to tracking technologies, uh, I suspect that we're seeing a growth in complaints that to the Office for Civil Rights and to the Federal Trade Commission that uh, hasn't been made public. Uh, however, um, the uh, there would be uh, incentives uh, to make uh, complaints uh, that your uh, protected health information has been uh, disclosed. Not only incentive. Uh, that uh, are caused by your own worries about having your medical information uh, compromised and uh, in the hands of criminals, uh, but also opportunities to make some money uh, as a result of making a complaint. Uh, so uh, wow. we're, we're really dealing with a, a, a clash. It's between laws that have been developed to protect the privacy of patients and consumers uh, and activities that abound on the internet uh, that are uh, built on individually identifiable information uh, as, a, as a commercial enterprise. This is a fascinating topic. I think I have a million more questions and I know we didn't even talk about uh, artificial intelligence, which I know is another area that you have a lot of opinions and information on. So I hope you'll come back and talk to us a little bit more down the road. I encourage everyone listening to this to take to heart the advice that was provided, reach out to Paul directly with questions or guidance if you think that you are doing something wrong, you're not sure how to address it, and you're building that team, which includes uh, your legal team. Uh, this is his area of expertise. Um, and if you have questions or concerns, reach out and you know, obviously I'll try to help as well, but Paul is much more the expert in this area than I am. And uh, his information will be shared when we post this podcast. But this is really just a fascinating topic. And thank you so much for joining us today. You're most welcome. It's nice to be with you. Great. So everyone out there, this is the Health Law Hotspot. You'll be able to catch this podcast as well as our others at ralaw.com. And I hope you'll join us next time. Thanks so much. The Retzel Health Law Hotspot is made available by the firm and its attorneys for educational purposes and to provide general information, not to provide specific legal advice. Use of the Retzel Health Law Hotspot does not create an attorney-client relationship between you and the firm or any of its attorneys. The Retzel Health Law Hotspot should not be used as a substitute for competent legal advice, and you should contact an attorney in your state about any legal needs or questions you may have.